Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? We're back for the Philacrosophy Podcast in-season edition with Andy Towers, PLL Chaos Head Coach. Been a big week with the draft. I know there's some really exciting stuff coming out tonight, but uh, AT, how you doing, man? Good. Just concentrating on being the biggest blowhard I can be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of like back at camp when you tried to be the Tannis camper. You just got to work at it. Listen, I'm just trying to evoke emotion one way or the other. That's being the tannis guy. It's being the tannis. If it's being the biggest blowhard I can be, well, I'll be the biggest blowhard I can be, Jamie. <laughs> the Philosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program. If you are a coach interested in sharpening your saw, like so many of the guests on the show, you are going to love the content in this program. Go to www.jm3coaches.com for more information. Well, let's talk a little uh, college across, and, and you can just keep working at it as we go along. So uh, first game on the slate, Duke Marquette. Duke squeaks out an OT victory over a really tough Marquette squad that had the lead late, but ends up losing in overtime. Thoughts on that game? I was following this game and I kept trying to get it online. It had an 11 a.m. start um, and I couldn't find it. It wasn't on Apple TV. Um, I know there was a website and I think it was Marquette's website that had it, but for some reason, um, it was pouring on Saturday morning here and I couldn't get the game and I was going back with Brett Jefferson um, who's actually a PLL investor, a good friend of mine uh, who was at the game to watch. He was at the game with a friend of his and he was like, this Marquette team is really good. This guy, Johnny Wagner is tearing it up. He had five goals and um, you know, sure enough, it goes into overtime and uh, you know, Duke was able to pull it out. I think Brad Smith hit a bomb low and away to win it, but you got to hand it to, First of all, you got to hand it to Duke for pulling out a, a, a really close game that I'm sure their guys were looking at Marquette's season to this point and thinking we're going to be able to just sort of blow through this team and win, you know, 15-8, something like that. But Joe Amplo and his staff, they every, every year, seemingly two or three times a year, they play the very best teams in the country – and either beat them or put a scare in them like this. Last year, I think, uh, you know, when they do it to Notre Dame, they beat Notre Dame last year, Marquette. Mm -hmm. uh, something like that. They beat in Denver, you know, when you, when you sort of think they don't have a chance in those games. And sure enough, right here, they play Duke to overtime. And like you said, we're up late in the game and certainly had their chances to win the game. And, you know, if I'm Denver and I'm looking at Marquette, this weekend, it certainly is going to open my eyes. You know, Denver, 
they need to win the Big East or they're not going to the tournament. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And I think that, you know, maybe three weeks ago, looking at Marquette in this game, they probably weren't that scared, even though they had lost to them the last couple of years. But certainly this is going to wake them up, um, perhaps to Marquette's detriment. But, you know, certainly they proved that they can beat anybody on any given day. Yeah, well, this time of year, the biggest thing is playing well. And they're playing well. Good point. Uh, Bucknell with a huge victory over Lehigh. Your boy, R.D. Yeah. So happy. So happy for Bucknell. You know, they've had a really tough season record-wise. Um, you know, and, and what a win this is. I actually called this, Jamie. Um, I picked Bucknell last week. Lehigh hadn't been playing well. And even though we all felt that Lehigh would dominate the faceoffs, and Bucknell has, you know, a really good faceoff guy in Witzel, I think his name is. Uh, you know, the Lehigh guy is 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 one of the very very best. You know, top five, I think. And um, you know, they just they just seemed out of sync. You know, and as you just stated about Marquette, Bucknell's starting to play well, yeah. and I think that this win. Uh, puts them in a three-way tie with Holy Cross and Navy for that, for the last two spots in the Patriot League tournament. And with Bucknell's win over Holy Cross, I'm pretty confident that Bucknell is now going to be in the Patriot League tournament. And as I said to him, all their goals are still alive. They can still win the Patriot League tournament and still go on and qualify for the NCAA tournament. And you know, this is a team that's playing well at the right time. And um, as we know, it's a very difficult team to prepare for, given what they're able to do in the ride, the creativity they have on defense. Um, you know, I was watching this game for a while. I'm really, really impressed with how Buck now, how quickly they slide, how quickly they scrape off and recover inside and get out. It seems like they're constantly sliding and recovering, yet it doesn't really seem like anything's open off ball. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so credit them. Clipstein, 15 saves, 10 goals allowed. That was the key to the game. You look at James Spence, who's, you know, obviously been a great goalie during his career at Lehigh, uh, but only eight saves on, on 12 goals allowed, 40%. You know, that's, that's the difference in a two-goal game. So right now they're sitting at one, two, three, four. It might be at, they're at six, right? One, two, three, four, five. Well, they're at it's seven right now, but if they win, they'll be four and four. Well, it's Holy Cross, Bucknell, and uh, Navy all tied, I think, in the yeah, pitch. Three and correct. four, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. Right. And, and so Holy Cross, I want to say that they have, they have a tough game. I don't know who they play this weekend, but they, they have a tough game. It might be Lehigh. It might be Holy Cross Lehigh this weekend. They play Lehigh, yep. That's correct. Yeah. And then uh, Bucknell plays, I believe, Colgate, which is a game that they should win based on the direction that each team is currently going. Navy plays BU. And Navy plays BU, which is, you know, going to be a handful for Navy based on the way BU is playing. So yeah. I, I like Bucknell to go in at the five seed here. Yeah, they could. Uh, let's talk about a little SoCon for a minute. Um, High Point squeaks out another victory, one goal win over Bellarmine, um, followed up on a one goal win last week over Mercer. And, you know, uh, Asher Knowlton continues to impress. The kid's a stud. I mean, he's, he is. Uh, he is uh, 
he's he's in the top five or ten players in the country, in my opinion. And um, but they're giving up a ton of goals. I mean, like I feel like it, they're just giving up too many goals to be able to uh, really compete at the level that they sort of looked like they were competing at early in the season. That, that's, that's a concern for me. You know, two weeks in a row, first Mercer, then Bellarmine, two teams that have not had good years. And to give up those kind of goals, to literally be in one-goal games versus two teams like that is scary at this point. You know, you wonder if, you know, are they looking past it? You know, Torp isn't looking past anything. With that said, as players, it's just a natural reaction to a long season where you've had some good wins and you've got, you know, perhaps your biggest rival in Richmond on the docket coming up this weekend. And they had, you know, two teams record-wise that have had terrible years in Mercer and Bellarmine. You know, credit them in that they did enough to win. But I also share your concern with giving up that many goals to teams that just haven't been very successful. Um, you know, with that said, you know, the only thing that really matters is that you win and they won the games. So from that standpoint, it doesn't matter whether they beat them 16-15 or they beat them 16-1. to Fact is, it, it goes down as a win. And now they're playing Richmond, their biggest rival, for, you know, the, the one seed in the SOCON Conference, which is going to be valuable. No doubt. Uh, let's switch gears here a little bit uh, to the ACC matchup. I actually went to this game, North Carolina at Notre Dame. Um, it was actually a pretty nice day in South Bend. It was like the nicest day they've had in a while. I was talking to Kevin Corrigan after the game. I actually went over and uh, hung out at his house for about an hour, and he was just talking about the fact that they've had the worst weather ever uh, this season. I mean, it's been like torrential, epic rains. Uh, and finally, they had a nice day. Um, Early in the game, close game, uh, and then Notre Dame really kind of pulled away. They dominated. Char My boy Charlie Leonard dominated at the faceoff X. Beast. Um, they outshot him, you know, fifty to twenty-six in the game. Yeah. Um, and um, and Notre Dame, you know, they've been a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team, that Notre Dame team. Um, but uh, and they got they, both of those teams needed that win. Now Carolina really has to win two games. They have to win the next – they have to win and against Syracuse and then win against Virginia. Now, if they do, the, the, I think they'll be in the NCAA tournament. And if they don't, unfortunately, I don't think they will. And Notre Dame put them, really helped themselves out because they've got the wins, but they just weren't going to be 500. They were going to be they were going to be in big pressure cooker because this game put them at like uh, – you know, I think it put them at 8-6. and six, um, at, well, seven, at, seven and five was the win, but you're right. They would have been six. It would have been six and six. Or, yeah. So, yeah. so in any case, uh, now now they've got a little bit of a buffer. If they lose a game in the ACC tournament, I still think they go to the NCAA tournament, and they're they're in good shape. And you know, I mean, they're pretty. You know, they can face off. They've got some toughness. Uh, they're pretty athletic defensively. Obviously, we know that Jerry Bird does a great job. Um, but you know, they're not maybe playing as good a defense as they have. Um, but you know, it's just a, it's 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 all a, a work in process for them. So I, I I I like Notre Dame as a team. I think they're pretty good, and um, the, the better Notre Dame team showed up on Saturday. Yeah, no, no, first of all, Notre Dame playing at home is really tough. You know, they they pounded Syracuse, and then Syracuse came back, made it a close game, and they pulled it out. You know, Carolina was actually up, and then Notre Dame came back and they pulled it out. Your boy Charlie Leonard is a he's a beast, man. Yeah, he, he just he he not only has the intangibles in terms of uh, you know quick twitch muscle, quick twitch muscles. Uh, he's strong. He's tough as hell. 
now he's groomed his technique where he's, you know, able to have that complement, you know, his physical advantages. Zach Tucci is a stud. He's had a great year for Carolina, but he got overmatched in this game. But, you know, look, I, I think that the key to the game was it was a one-goal game, and Glebo's kid, Brendan Gleason, gets the ball on the left wing, dodges the pole with about eight seconds left on the shot clock, front swing, and scores on Caton Johnson, stick side. And Caton Johnson's been a real shot in the arm for North Carolina. He has. He's, he's solidified that position, and they yeah. haven't had consistency in the goal for a few years now. Yeah. And I think clearly he's cemented himself as the goalie for the present and the goalie for the future, and that's a great thing. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, you referenced Notre Dame. I think the issue with Notre Dame is their goaltending. I just don't love them in the goal. And I don't think they know who they are in the goal. I don't know. I don't think they know which guy's going to help them be better. Um, you know, and, and, and to me, if you have a great face-off group, a great face-off guy in wings, which they have, and you have an offense that, you know, I think is a 10 to 12 goal a game offense, and you don't have great goaltending or consistent goaltending, yeah. you can sort of lose any game. And you're also a threat when you do get some goaltending to beat anybody. And I think we all feel that Notre Dame is good enough to go win the national championship. But if they're going to do something like that, they need to get consistency in the goal, kind of the way that Yale got consistency in the goal out of Jack Starr last year during the tournament at the right time. And if, if Notre Dame wins faceoffs and they get that kind of uh, step-up performance between the pipes – this is a team that could go in the national championship. We know they're well enough coached. We know they got, you know, good enough players, but they do need to shore up that aspect of their game in order to really have a shot. Because like you said, you know, if they go this weekend and they play Syracuse, they're playing Syracuse, right? Or no, they play Duke. Uh, they're playing Duke. They play Duke. You know, if they lose to Duke, I think their season's probably over, but maybe not. They do have three good wins, right? Um, you know, potentially four, but but three. You look at Notre Dame. The RPI right now. I, I I think that they'll their RPA is not going to go down with a loss to Duke that much. No, but what happens? Like, so if Denver if Denver doesn't win the Big East, right? Denver essentially will have only Towson as their top twenty win, right? If Carolina is able to beat Syracuse in the first round. Carolina probably ends up in that back in the top 20. That now gives Denver another quality win, which would be Towson and North Carolina. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think Notre Dame needs Denver to win the Big East championship. Um, I could be wrong, but I just feel like with current wins over Maryland and Syracuse, if they aren't able to beat Duke in this game – and Denver drops off, their only two wins are Maryland and Syracuse. And, and Denver, I don't know if Denver's counting as a real good win at that point. You know, they'd be, Denver would be, you know, eight and five, maybe nine and five. Let's say they beat Marquette and then they lose, you know, in the first or second round. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Notre Dame's in yet. I think Notre Dame needs to win at least one ACC game to make sure that they're in. Yeah. Yeah, you could be right. No doubt. I mean, you never know how stuff shakes out, too. Right. Um, I, I, I do think that Notre Dame's good. Um, you know, they were definitely the better team that day. Um, Caden Johnson did play really well. I mean, honestly, that game could have been worse. Notre Dame really had a lot of chances, and Johnson robbed them on a few great opportunities.
You Jamie, who, who, who goes between Ohio State and Notre Dame if Ohio State doesn't make the Big Ten tournament? They beat Michigan. They don't qualify for the Big Ten tournament. And Notre Dame loses this weekend. And you look at Ohio State's wins of Johns Hopkins, UMass, and Notre Dame versus Notre Dame's Maryland, Denver, Syracuse. Uh, you know, I say Notre Dame. Even because of their win over Maryland? Yeah, well, because, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have two top ten wins. And, um, you know, I think that top th those are really hard to come by. They're, they're, they, they, they add up to a lot. So, yeah. I think. Okay. That would be my take. I buy it. I buy it. Well, let's move on to that, uh, to that game. Um, did you get a chance to watch Ohio State-Maryland? Uh, Maryland was up. Ohio I State comes back. And, uh, and then what <laughs> an OT goal by Jared Bernhardt in the end. I mean, what a beast that kid is. Yeah, he looked like he was playing on the father team of the father-son game in that overtime when he picked up that ball and ran. I mean, oh, my God, he's just so fast and so electrifying. It looked like he grew five inches as he got closer to the goal. He kept getting taller and taller and taller. Every step he got closer to the goal. Um, you know, what a game. I mean, how many of these crazy games have been in the Big Ten? I mean, it's been one of the most exciting regular seasons to watch Big Ten games for the fans. I can't get over this. And, and Ohio State has been, you know, perhaps the star of the show as it relates to the games that they've played in. I mean, what an emotional roller coaster. They're down. They come back. They go up. They, you know, let up a goal from, who was it, Winoskis that scored with like eight seconds left on a through pass. And then – the dominant the Ignacio has been dominating faceoffs and really brought Ohio State back to the game. Jumps the first faceoff in overtime, only to have Bernard pick it up, run in and dunk it. Mm. I mean, wow, Nick Myers. You know, if Ohio State doesn't make the tournament this year, it's going to be sad because you know they've lost some heartbreaker games, and I I feel like they're one of the you know best ten teams in the country, maybe even best eight. But I also can see pretty easily how they probably are on the outside looking in as it looks to, uh, you know, as, as, this, as this tournament field looks to shape up here. Although, if Boston University, you know, cranks it up, that's a win that we had. I don't think you had mentioned, did you? Good point. Ohio State beat BU, and BU could, could win the Patriot League and bump themselves right up. Oh, you're so right. That was a, that's an administrative oversight by me. I feel like such a blowhard. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a really good point. So, speaking of the Patriot League, the anticipated matchup of Loyola and Army, um, in which the Serdoc Spencer matchup was, you know, at the, at the forefront of the of the team matchup. Um, so, talk a little bit about that. Did you get a chance to watch that game at all? I did. Uh, that game started at 2.30 here after most of the 12 o'clocks were done and, and, and the 1 o'clocks were sort of uh, in the home stretch. I, I turned over to that, and I was not surprised. I, I You know, Johnny Serdick is just unbelievable, and Pat Spencer is really, really good, too. Um, you know, I felt that each, at times, got the other one. You know, Pat Spencer, I think, scored on – uh, two dodging goals on Johnny Serdick, but it wasn't really like he he beat Johnny Serdick to the goal. 
Um, you know, he shot over him once coming up the right side. He shot over him once going down sort of the righty alley. Uh, he did have a great right to left split underneath where he threw a cross cage feed to Scanlon, who had a fold over twister goal, which was an awesome finish. Um, so I think you could say that Pat Spencer was two and one against Cerdic. Um, and while Pat finished three and four in the game and, you know, proved to be the unstoppable force that he is, um, you know, certainly Johnny Cerdic uh, more than validated his unofficial title as what I consider the best defenseman in Division One lacrosse this year. Rutgers, Michigan. Rutgers got it done. Michigan, that was a, that's a tough game. Rutgers needed that game to get, solidify themselves in the tournament. Did you get a chance to watch that game at all? No, but I did follow it. Um, you know, not surprised to see Michigan play them tough, battle. Um, you know, they got a lot of pride and a lot of talent. And, you know, they're going to turn the corner. And while it's not going to be this year for the Wolverines, they are, you know, they are getting closer, as we both thought. Um, and, and let's face it, you know, Rutgers, even though they've been in and out of the top 20, and I'm sure have had a frustrating year, need to not only make the Big Ten tournament, they need to, I believe, win at least one game and potentially both in order to, obviously, if they win both, they get the AQ, so that's no problem. But, but you know, I do think that, um, you know, they're a team like Ohio State that could go to the tournament and do damage. You know, they still get to go to play Penn State. I don't think they're going to beat Penn State, um, you know, unless Edelman just goes off and, and, you know, makes 25 saves or something like that. And he's capable of doing it. Um, you know, I don't think it's probable, but it is, it is, he is capable of doing it. Um, I'm not surprised to see Rutgers win this game. And I think Rutgers, again, very similar to Ohio State, is one of those teams that, you know, is potentially a top 10 team on, on any given day. But unfortunately, they play in arguably the toughest league in the country in the Big Ten. And um, this year in particular with, with Rutgers and Maryland, I mean, that, that game versus Maryland, boy, if they had beaten them, they'd be in a good spot. Um, but they haven't, so they're not. <laughs> <laughs> so BU takes care of business of a whole, over Holy Cross. Cuse takes care of business over Navy. UMass hammers Fairfield, Virginia hammers Marist. You know, there was actually a lot of games that, like, weren't, weren't that big of games. Right. Um, any comments on any of those before we get into the Oxia time Ivy League report? Sure. I, I think that uh, the Towson-Delaware game is something that was worth talking about. Um, you know, of note, Alex Woodall goes five for five, wins the first five face-offs, but then leaves the game. And – you know, didn't face off the rest of the game. I hope he's okay. I didn't hear anything about his injury. Um, you know, I thought in this game that Delaware would win. I thought that Matt DeLuca in the cage would be the difference. And while I heard he played well, uh, statistically, it, it did not look good. You know, eight saves against 14 goals for roughly 37 save percentages is not a good day in the cage. Um, you know, and Tyler Canto was about average at 50%. Um, you know, the story of this game is clearly the scoring of Grant Maloof, Brendan Sunday, 5-1, and 4-1, and one respectively. Those guys, at least Maloof, had been a little bit of a slump. And for him to break out of it at the right time against a Delaware team that record-wise has had a great year, couldn't be better. Now it sets up an interesting final weekend where Delaware has got to play UMass. And Towson, I believe, is playing Drexel, um, I think, in the last game. 
and each of those teams, I mean, Towson could win and Delaware could win. And, and certainly it, uh, it keeps the CAA up for grabs yeah. pending the outcome of those games. Shout out to my former Mountain Vista Golden Eagle, Jake Govett, for getting his first goal for Delaware against Towson. Uh, I saw that he scored. The Philacrosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Lacrosse Academy. This 13-week online program is designed to teach cutting-edge lacrosse skills and IQ. Athletes will learn dozens of new techniques, creative drills, X's and O's, and most importantly, how to integrate it all into their game. For more information, go to www.jm3academy.thinkific.com. So that's good. Um, All right. You know, the last game actually that we should mention of note is just uh, the the Stony Brook comeback over Vermont. Vermont seemed to hold a solid lead in this game, and Stony Brook just battled back to win 10-9. So, um, you know, thinking about that, any thoughts on that game and the America East? Yeah, I was shocked by that that outcome. I thought Vermont would would beat them down, but credit Stony Brook for coming back, and I think that that puts them now in first place in the AM East. And I think that conference is totally up for grabs. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Vermont, you know, win it. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Albany win it. Um, so it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. It's really one of those conferences where anybody, anybody could win it. Stoyberg 4-1, and one, Albany 4-1, and one, Vermont 4-2. and two. UMass Lowell and Hartford at 2-3. and three. Yeah. That, it's going to be uh, – Vermont still has one game left against Penn. They're playing at Wilton High School, uh, which is the next town over from where I live this weekend. And if Vermont can find a way to neutralize Ryan Gallagher at the face-off X for you, Penn, that could be a, a scary game for Penn, particularly with the way that they've finished out this season with eight or nine games in a row and really blowing teams out, you know, the goaltending Nick Washuda of Vermont is one of the best goalies out there. He is. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a team that is not to be taken lightly, particularly when, particularly when Penn has already wrapped up the regular season Ivy League championship and is obviously playing very, very well. I know that in the media poll, I think they're ranked four. I know Quint had them ranked four. Frankly, I don't understand why Penn is ranked so highly. Um, you know, I, I, I feel good ranking Penn at nine, but they only have two wins, right? They've only beaten Cornell and Yale. Now, Villanova is also technically a win, but, you know, last week's poll, Villanova was not in the top 20. They got beat by Georgetown. That knocked them out of the top 20, and you're still kind of looking at, at two wins, right? They've beaten Yale and they've beaten Cornell. I just don't understand why they are, are getting ranked as highly – as they are when you got a team like Syracuse with, you know, four top 20 wins. And while Syracuse has a bad loss in Colgate, uh, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I just, I feel like Penn, um, even though they've been on a great run and I do think they're a very good team. Don't get me wrong. I just, when I put my poll together, I do it by, you know, wins and losses versus top 20 teams and losses to top 20 teams. That's kind of the way I structure my poll and I just feel like with you know two top 20 wins and and three top 20 losses 
I, I don't know how you can justify putting them up at four or five. You know, to me, Yale has a better strength of schedule. They've beaten Penn State, Cornell as well by five, and they beat UMass, you know. Um, but they have a loss to Villanova, and Penn beat Villanova, and Penn beat Yale head-to-head. So I, I do get the reasoning with some respect. So anyways, just my thoughts. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Penn State Hopkins game? I mean, that game was, you know, the Sunday game, the Easter game. Everyone's pumped up. And, uh, man, Penn State looks so good. They're terrifying. You know, I, I again, uh, it was interesting how Hopkins came out. They didn't slide. And you see Grant Ament, you know, taking his matchup to the cup. You start to see and have an appreciation for the players two through eight for Penn State. You know, Dylan Foles, Nick Spillane, Jack Trainer. Um, you know, those guys, along with Gerard Arceri, what a stud. I thought their goalie played really well. Colby Canise, um, you know, certainly the known entities of Ament and Mac O'Keefe, realistically, kind of had quiet days. I mean, Grant Ament was four and three, um, but O'Keefe was one and one. But O'Keefe also had two other great feeds that easily could have been finishes for goals. Um, again, I don't know if anybody beats Penn State unless they get a, a, a jaw-dropping performance out of the goaltender and or are able to get at least 55% at the faceoff X. I was impressed by Penn State's defense. They, they're very fast. They're great between the lines. They're, you know, threats to score and transition. Chris Sabia is really impressive. Um, you know, but, but clearly what pe- makes Penn State special is their unselfishness on offense, willingness to make the extra pass, efficiency with, what, with how they shoot. Um, you know, I just th- – this is, this is the best team in the country. Um, you know, but, but they've got to run the gauntlet now and, and, and prove it, you know, obviously throughout the last regular season game versus Rutgers and then through the Big Ten tournament and ultimately through the NCAA tournament. I mean, they're capable of doing it. If I had to bet on a team, it's Penn State. Um, but there are a lot of teams that can win the NCAA championship, so they've got far from an easy road. How about Grant, Grant Amant's line of 17 goals and 63 assists? <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable that he – and he had four goals against Hopkins when they decided not to slide. Right. So 13 goals after 11 games. Um, and, uh, you know, but he he probably score it well, but he's just such a team guy. The way that they spread it out, he's the sixth leading goal scorer on this team. Well, and, and like you said, I mean, his numbers are ridiculous. If those numbers are – you know, roughly a one to three and a half ratio or one to three ratio. Um, you know, he, I'd say he might be as good of a go to the goal and score threat as Michael Sowers. He's, he's like that yeah. in terms of the way that he dodges. He's got that kind of lateral quickness and explosiveness, and he's got that complete skill set. Um, you know, but he's got such a better supporting cast than Michael Sowers does that oftentimes, you know, it leads to assists more than it does goals. But, you know, at 17 goals suggests that he's, you know, a feeder first and a goal scorer second. I I don't really think that's necessarily the case. I think he's got the ability to be either or, depending upon how the defense decides to play Penn State's offense – 
And that versatility is the key to making Penn State the most dangerous offensive team in the country. All right, it's time now for the Oxia Time Ivy League review. Um, Oxia Time sponsors us. We're really lucky to have John Canaris uh, be interested in listening to a blowhard like you. and uh, Big time blowhard. Big time. Yeah. Um, and, um, and, and basically sponsor our podcast <laughs> because <laughs> he thinks that, you know, maybe we can help him sell some watches. But the, the bottom line is, is that these watches are pretty awesome. John Canaris played at Penn, was the goalie when they went to the Final Four in the late 80s. Won a couple Ivy championships, and his passions uh, really are Penn lacrosse, which is a good one, good passion to have right now because they're pretty awesome. Yeah. And also, um, and he just loves uh, watches. He loves the the Swiss watches in particular. So he starts a Swiss watch company. Uh, he he sells out of his uh, longtime corporate job and starts his own company called Oxia Time. And uh, these watches are like five thousand dollars Swiss watches that you can get you know, for less than a thousand dollars. And you're saying, well, how's that possible? Is it a scam? No, if there's no middleman, there's no overhead. And so he's able to like, and he's getting, he's just getting this thing off the ground and it's his passion. What's really cool is that he'll put a, a nice subtle logo um, in the, on the face of the watch. There's all different, there's a wide array of, um, uh, in the collections of different, of different watches. Um, and um, at the same time, um, they're just, they're really sweet. Um, so, uh, any thoughts on that, AT? No, I'm just, uh, thankful for my watch. And again, it, uh, as I said to Johnny a few weeks ago, it's, it's, it's absolutely the nicest accessory slash piece of jewelry that I have. And, um, based on my lack of success of managing jewelry to this point in my life, I am hyper conservative about when I choose to wear it and make sure that it's uh, in a position that uh, hopefully will keep it unlosable. Um, well, Andy, so, you know, in typical blowhard fashion, do you, do you just really show off your watch to everybody and show them that, you know, you went to Brown with a, like a, a nice logo on there and everything? Yes, I do. I do. Awesome. You know, listen, a lot of people that aren't quite to the level of blowhard that I am, might not be as confident wearing a watch this nice. Um, but look, you know, if you're, if you're going to be a blowhard, um, you know, you have to have some things that are visible to the fans or those that critique us. Um, they should know. make a blowhard version of this watch because these logos are actually so nice and subtle. They don't fit in as well with like no. really awesome kind of blowhard mm -hmm. model you're looking for probably. No, they don't. So let's talk about the Ivy League, the OxyTime Ivy League flashback. Now, I've got a great flashback story, yeah. um, but it's not actually an Ivy League story, but I don't care. It's too good of a story not to tell it. So I, I spent a lot of time with Jake Reed. Um, Jake Reed. Big fan. Great, great, great guy. The, the, the goalie from the 70s of, of the Maryland teams that went to a bunch of championships and he owned Blue Chip. And Together, we uh, started this, this business called 3D Blue Chip. And um, so I spent five weekends a year with Jake and got, he's got so many great stories. And so this story was when he was at RIT and Longman was at Ithaca and they were playing at Ithaca and they had to play on some other field because of, I don't know, snow or something like that. And, and uh, before the game, Longman calls up Jake and he's like, hey, look, uh, the field is illegal. It's like uh, three yards 
you know, too narrow or something. <laughs> and uh, Jake's like, yeah, no problem. You know, no worries. So they get there and the refs come up really concerned. They're talking to Jake. They're like, hey, this, uh, this field's illegal. We checked it out. Uh, Ithaca's going to start off with a three-minute three unreleasable. And Jake's like, no, 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 we talked about it. It's not a problem. You know, we, we agreed to it. It's fine. He's like, no, sorry, coach. Like, this is how we're going to start the game. And Jake's like, no, we're not. We're not starting the game with a three-minute unreleasable. We already talked about it. I, mean, I do not want you to do that. He's like, they're like, going back and forth. Fine. The officials are like, all right, fine. We won't make you do that. But we're, we're going to award you the ball. And Jake's like, look, I don't want the ball. We agreed to this. I just want to play the game. Coach, I'm not talking about it anymore. You're taking the ball. So he's like, okay, fine. So the game begins, they get out there, and um, they give the ball to the RIT guy. The RIT guy puts the ball on the ground. They both get down. <laughs> Jake goes, set, go. And they take the face off. <laughs> and then they play the game. That is that, – we're going to have to leave the Oxy of Time – uh, Ivy League memory at that today because I have never heard that story, but that is so awesome and such oh. vintage Jake Reed and Longman. I remember Longman uh, when I got recruited to play Virginia and I went on my official visit there in the fall of 1987. Uh, Longman was coaching at Virginia and picked me up on my recruiting visit there. And I couldn't believe I was in the car with Jeff Long. He was on the U.S. World Team, and I want to say, like, was he eighty-two and eighty-six? Or oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but he clearly was, you know, one of the sports best players of all time. And I remember being in the car, like, oh my god, I'm in the car with with Jeff Long. I just couldn't believe it. What a what a great guy he was, and certainly Jake is an all timer. He is one of my all time favorites. Um, he used to come up and coach at the new, at the Fairfield County All-Star Lacrosse Camp, which was held by Guy Witten uh, over at Wilton High School. And I used to go over there and Jimmy Coughlin from Brown. You remember Jimmy Coughlin from Brown? Oh, yeah. yeah. Jimmy Coughlin from Brown is the one that initially taught me how to face off and um, at that camp. And Jake Reed was a mainstay. Dom was a mainstay. Mike Pressler was a mainstay. Pete Lasagna, mainstay. Um, so I love that story. That is one of my, <laughs> it's such classic Jake. It is. It's just classic Jake. Like, all right, no problem. All right. Fine. They, they talk about it. Uh, so Princeton 19, Harvard 15, this game really wasn't, uh, you know, a hugely impactful game, but what are your thoughts? Uh, I thought Princeton would win. I thought, you know, Michael Sowers is the difference in the game in these types of games. You know, Princeton now is seven and six. Harvard is five and seven. Um, you know, Chris Brown, five goals. I think him and Michael Sowers form a great one-two punch. And, um, you know, Michael Sowers is a guy that Cornell needs to be concerned about, and Chris Brown, for that matter, going into this game next week. You know, this is a game that I think we all think Cornell is going to win, and I think Cornell is going to win. But last year, Princeton beat him. And they had their defenseman, who's it, Gayon, Gagon or whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, you know, very, very good defenseman. George Baum, Baum. I don't know how you I don't know how you pronounce his name, but John Hess tweeted out this year that he felt that he was a first team All American after that Denver game. And he looks like it. You know, he's he really is a he really is fast and tough and 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 kind of plays a similar style 
to a guy that I played against in the early 90s, David Morrow, same number, I think, 17. Um, but, but this is a game where Princeton could go and beat Cornell. They could. I, I think Cornell's going to win because I think they're going to control the middle of the field and win the faceoffs. But if you give Michael Sowers the ball enough, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna score some goals on yeah. Cornell. There's, there's no question about it. And God forbid if Princeton wins the majority of the faceoffs, then Princeton's going to win the game. They are because Cornell's defense is not going to be able to cover Michael Sowers. I was speaking with Timmy Goldstein yesterday about sort of the difference between Cornell and some of the other teams. And while Cornell may be the best interior passing team in a long time for college lacrosse, the fact is they don't have somebody that they can flip the ball to, you know, with 10 seconds left and, and, and score or create a slide like Princeton can with Sowers, right. um, you know, like Maryland can with Bernhardt, um, you know, like, like Penn seemingly can now with um, Sam Hanley and, and, and Matthias. And, you know, it seems like most of these top teams that have a chance, you know, to, to score goals on anyone, Cornell doesn't have that guy. And while Jeff Teat is a phenomenal player and Peterson's a phenomenal finisher and scorer, you know, there's sort of lack of a guy that can break down the other team's best defenseman consistently and score, you know, break a pole down off the dodge. I wouldn't be surprised if that dynamic comes into play here. So in order for Cornell to get past Princeton and make the Ivy League tournament, um, you know, I think that they're going to have to, they're going to have to uh, win faceoffs and get goaltending. They're getting goaltending, but I think they're going to have to win faceoffs. Well, when I said earlier it wasn't that impactful of a game, the Harvard, uh, the Harvard Princeton School game, it, 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 it certainly, I was sort of referring to on the national basis. On the Ivy League basis, Princeton had to win to keep themselves alive in this. Yep. Um, but the, the fact is, is that they have to play Cornell and they're tied with Brown and Brown has to play Dartmouth. Right. So I, I think it's Brown gets to play Dartmouth. Yeah. And has to play Cornell. Yes. Yeah, Brown gets to play Dartmouth. <laughs> right. So they're going to win that game. There's just no, I mean, it, listen, I guess anything can happen, but I would be surprised if Dartmouth's able to. No, you're right. They, they and, are. And then, and then Princeton's, you know, Princeton's is going to be out because they're going to be. That's right. You lose a tiebreaker. I mean, if they will. That's won, right. Um, and Cornell is in, right? They're not, they can go three to three. If Prince, the interesting thing though, is if Princeton wins. Yeah. And Brown wins. Yeah. Um, does Brown still go ahead of Princeton? They beat him head to head. I, I think that's. I think yeah. there is some goal discrepancy there. I, I just I, again. It a miracle. I don't think. I don't think Dartmouth has. I think they have no chance of beating Brown because Brown is, you know, Brown is playing very, very hard and playing well, for all intents and purposes, with, you know, a younger offense. Um, you know, but their their compete level is very, very high. And again, Dartmouth is. Uh, they're they're at a tough spot, man. So it could be a if if Brown wins and Princeton wins, uh, then there's a three way tie for for and, and two out of three will go. Right. So I don't know what the uh, tiebreakers are in the Ivy. I think it's I think it's going to be Penn Brown versus Cornell Yale in the Ivy tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, let's let's turn the tables to. Um, Penn Dartmouth, 22-6. Not, not a ton to talk about there. Any thoughts? I said 19-3. 
16 goals, 22 to six. Um, pretty good, you know. Uh, Penn, I'll tell you, man, Penn, I, I tweeted out on Sunday, Penn, is, Penn could win the national championship. Because they've got the pieces to do it. You know, they've got an elite face-off guy that went 50-50 against TD Erland, went 50-50 against Arcieri. They ended up beating Yale by a goal, lost to Penn State by a goal. They've got, you know, a dynamic offense with Sam Hamley and Tyler Dunn and, um, you know, Goldner with the way that he's shooting, Matthias. Uh, defensively, they have an elite defender in a van check. They've got an awesome freshman poll in B.J. Farrar. You know, Reed Junkin at times has played very, very well. Um, to me, if they aren't successful in the playoffs, it's going to be because their goaltending isn't quite good enough. You know, we were kind of speculating yesterday on teams that could beat Penn State. Again, I was talking to Timmy Goldstein about it. And, um, you know, you're kind of looking at if Penn State's going to lose, they're either going to run into – a team that gets a Brian Doherty like performance out of their goaltender, you know, to the tune of 25 saves or something crazy like that. Um, or they're going to get badly at the faceoff X, the way that Yale was able to beat them um, in the beginning of the season, you know, and, and, and Penn took them to one goal. I mean, Penn had that game one seemingly uh, a couple of times down the end of the stretch, down the stretch of the game. And, you know, Penn State came, came back and winning it, but, but that matchup, you know, with how dynamic Penn's offense is, it's a, it's a, it's a team that, um, you know, can beat you. Um, but if Gallagher's off the way that he was against Duke, Penn's defense I don't think is, is good enough to sustain possession after possession after possession. And, um, but, again, they get, if they get the success of the faceoff backs, that offense has proven that they can dictate the outcome of games. Um, and see, even though I'm, you know, essentially saying I don't find them worthy of such a high ranking, um, you know, my rankings, again, are different than who I think the actual best teams are. If I'm looking at the teams that I think can win the national championship, certainly Penn State is there. Uh, Duke is there. Um, I think Virginia is there. I think Yale is there. I know Maryland is there. And then I look at Penn as a possible contender to win the national championship. Um, depending upon Woodall and how he plays, if he's healthy and, and winning 75% like he is, that's a team that could beat anybody. Loyola could potentially win, although I'm concerned about their defense. And Syracuse is a team that never short on swagger, a great defense. Uh, you know, that's another team that seemingly like they could win. Like Notre Dame could win. Yeah. Um, it's as wide open as it's ever been right now. And I think it's wide open as it's ever been. So, Back to my original point, if Penn and Penn State draw each other in, you know, what I think would end up being the quarters, you know, that's, a, that's bad news for both teams. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, so um, a big game with Cornell. Was that at Brown? Uh, that was at Brown, correct. Uh, Brown. So did you get a chance to watch that? I know that Cornell jumped on him early and Brown fought back and made it. Yeah, I watched, I watched a lot of the game, and Cornell looked like they were on the verge of blowing him out. And I was going back and forth. And so I started watching a little bit more of the UNC Notre Dame game, uh, only to flip back and see that Brown had gotten to 9-6, watched it, continued to watch it. And, and Brown, you know, again, their compete level is, is good enough to win the games. They just aren't quite dynamic enough offensively while they're getting some good play out of some very good players. They just can't quite get over the hump. I feel like they miss a few too many shots 
Um, and, you know, this was, this was a tough game, uncharacteristically tough game in the goal for Phil Goss. You know, he, had, he lets in 12 goals, you know, only makes 10 saves. For him, that's a, that's a, that's a really below average game for him as one of the nation's elite goaltenders. Um, I like this kid, number 42, Ryan Algevin, or Oghaven, however you say his name. He stuck some big goals for them. Um, you know, Darian Cook has had a really good season. Luke McCallum, again, is, is, is one of the best players in the Ivy League, and I think, you know, also a very good player on the national level as well. But I like Brown. I just think that they are one, one year away from really being a threat to turn the corner on the offensive end. Well, that's it for the Ivy League, uh, OxyTime Ivy League report. Um, if you're interested in learning more, go to oxytime.com and use the coupon code uh, BRUNO, B-R-U-N-O, 100 to get $100 off. Um, it's graduation time coming up. These watches are awesome. Um, I love mine. Andy loves his. And now we've got the OxyTime Ivy League Player of the Week. Who you got, Andy? Uh, I'm going to the Princeton Harvard game, and I am going to have Michael Sowers, three and seven, 10 point performance against Harvard in a four goal win, and sets the stage for Princeton to make the Ivy League tournament with a game which I believe is at Cornell this coming weekend. Not an easy place to play. Getting off the bus, you're down three goals up in Ithaca. But if anybody can make up those goals quickly, it's Michael Sowers. So Michael Sowers is my Oxia time player of the week with a three and seven performance versus Harvard. I'm going with the same one. He had the performance of the weekend. There wasn't the, the other games didn't have very blow hardish. It was very blow hardish. What's that? Very blow hardish. <laughs> you just can't, you know, you just can't compare, you know, with the game they had to win in a three and seven performance to, you know, a three and zero performance. So Michael Sowers, Oxytime, Ivy League player of the week. First unanimous. First unanimous. It's the first unanimous. Uh, so let's go to the calendar, shall we? Sure. So we got some picks coming up, and um, I'm going to rattle through them. So um, Bryant Brown. Brown. Carolina. Bryant's had a tough year, man. <laughs> yeah, they have big time. Carolina Syracuse. I think Carolina comes back to beat them this year, uh, this game, this week. Losing, what, 12-9 two weeks ago. It was a close game all the way through. Uh, that was on senior day. But I believe this game is at Carolina again, isn't it? It is. The ACC tournament is at Carolina. Yeah. They must win. I, I'm, I would pick Carolina, too, because they got to win it. Um, it's at home. Um, they can do it. Uh, they're getting great goaltending. Um, hopefully, they'll make some adjustments at the faceoff X, which, which uh, you know, I think they'll, that, that, that that's always harder to beat someone. Uh, twice at that position because you know they're going to have some counters. Yeah, and um, you know Carolina, Carolina needs needs to just get it together and win that game so they can get themselves back to the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, Navy hosting Boston University. I got BU. I just think the two-headed monster of Chris Gray, James Burr are too much. They're they're playing, they're playing really really well, and Navy uh, is struggling and. Uh, I just think BU is going to have too much. UMass Delaware. Mm. I just think that UMass is too tough. I, I, I like Delaware in the cage, but I like UMass Sean Scannone better 
I think he's probably the first team All-American if Tim Troutner is not. And Tim Troutner has had a great season. High Point's had a great season. And he's got two super high-quality wins over Duke and Virginia. But lately, they've given up a lot of goals. And Sean Scannone and UMass has really locked it down, um, particularly highlighted by a performance versus Towson, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. I just think UMass is is uh playing well at the right time and they know who they are i got umass michigan ohio state ohio state is playing for their livelihood michigan season is uh, over for all intents and purposes um i've got ohio state stony brook albany <sighs> wow stony brook with a huge win over vermont you know, they got a great poll in Ryland Reese. Albany, I just feel like, I feel like they're just not, they haven't been able to really turn the corner this year. And they, you know, they, they had a couple of really fun to watch goals versus Yale, but I, I just, I feel like Stony Brook's going to end up winning this game. Marquette, Denver. Again, I think Marquette's performance against Duke served as a wake-up call for Denver. And I think that Coach Tierney recognizes that they can't stumble the next three games, which is the last regular season game versus Marquette and the two Big East games. I, I got Denver to win this game. High Point, Richmond. Wow. You know, I'm concerned about High Point and the amount of goals that they've been giving up. Um, and Richmond just beat Mercer by six. I think that the pressure is on high point a little bit uh, with, with Richmond going to high point here. And I think Richmond, I hate to say it because I want, I want high point and Torp to win, but I think, I think Richmond's going to win this game. And if they do, I think that that will lead to high point coming back and beating them in the tournament. So I'm, I'm going to take Richmond in this game, even though I want high point to win. Cornell Princeton. Wow. Make it official. Yeah, I'm going to make it official. Um, it's up in Ithaca, so I'm going to take Cornell. Providence-Villanova. It's a really tough game. Providence is playing well, but I think Villanova is, is better. I think they're more talented. I'm taking Villanova. Georgetown-St. John's. I'm going to take Georgetown. Dartmouth-Brown. Brown. Penn State-Rutgers. Penn State. Harvard, Yale. Yale. Duke, Notre Dame. Wow. Duke beat Notre Dame up the last time. I think Notre Dame needs this game more than Duke. I'm going to say that Notre Dame comes back and wins this game. I got Notre Dame beating Duke. Maryland, Hopkins. Uh, I just don't think Hopkins can hang athletically with Maryland. I, I just, you know, when I watched Hopkins play this Sunday against Penn State, you know, sort of the first five minutes of the game, I thought Hopkins was playing at a compete level that um, was really impressive and, 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 and enough to make the game really challenging. And then the next thing you know, it's Penn State four, Hopkins one. And then you just kind of saw that. It's 8-3 and it's 12-5 and it's 14-6. It was a blow. I mean, Penn State could have put up 27 on them, um, it seemed like. Um, and Maryland, I think, is, is like them. I don't think they're quite as good as Penn State, but I think they're like them. And I just think Hopkins is, is totally overmatched. Um, I got Maryland.
Well, Andy, um, awesome to have you on the show again. Thanks for coming on and uh, sharing your thoughts. Um, maybe tone it down a little bit next time. You know what? I, innately, as, as a blowhard, I feel like I represent the other blowhards across the league. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't want to celebrate too many negative things. Otherwise, you don't know. I mean, just, there's really- When I think of blowhard, I think of Judge Smeals. I think of Mike Francesa. Um, but listen, there are people out there that think of Andy Towers. And that's the good thing about uh, podcasts is that, you know, there's a gun held to your head and you've got to listen. And if you have to listen, then you've got to feel compelled to act on how it makes you feel. And that's, uh, that's what makes this country great, Jamie. <laughs> AT, have a great week, buddy. Talk to you, you soon. Too, buddy. Check in. See you. The Philacrosophy Podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There is no question that video is a critical part to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3video.com today.